Well, welcome to our third week in the story of Jonah. We're over halfway. And to give you a very quick recap. Now, I know that even if you're not a Bible person, not familiar with it, most people have heard the story of that guy named Jonah. Right? Given a mission from God, runs in the opposite direction, tossed in the sea, swallowed by a big fish to get him back on track. We've been exploring this in the month of January to kind of reorient ourselves as a church to remember what we're all about. Well, we're now in chapter 3 of Jonah, and I'm just going to read it for you. Here's how it goes. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord instead of running the other way and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. That's where they stopped eating. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, this itchy clothing to kind of symbolize how sorry they felt about what they had done and who they had become. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. Can I just pause for a moment and say, as the owner of cows... Do you know how loud they'd be after day two? I'm just thinking of all the bellowing going on. None, that's a side point. Okay. Don't let the animals, don't let the people eat or drink nothing. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent. And with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now that's a weird story. I mean, what do you make of this? Let's look at Jonah again, just for a moment. So he comes into town forced to deliver a message that he doesn't want to deliver. Remember, he hates these guys. They disgust him. They've been vicious, vicious people. In history, they are nasty. They've been nasty to his people. They've been nasty to everyone. They're nasty to each other. And he hates these guys. And I got to think, as he walked into town that first day, and just before he finally had to speak the message that he didn't want to speak, I think he threw up a little bit in his mouth. He hated these guys. He did not want to tell them this. And he's there under duress. But God hasn't let him off the hook. He hasn't been able to get away from him. He isn't able to thwart God's plan. So he begins to tell people this message of doom. And he says, I quote, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But in his original language, it's just five words. Five words. Which we can do pretty easy in English, right? Let's try it. 40 days and your toast. I know there's a little bit of a contraction in there, but let's let it roll. 40 days and you're done. 
40 days and you're dead. We could go on like this for a while. You know what I was thinking about Jonah? At first I think he was just so upset that he had to give this message. 40 days and you're done. But I think by day two, he started looking at all these people he hated. The pot seller over there and the woman slapping her kid over there. and He hated these guys and I think he started to kind of enjoy it. You know? There suddenly was a little bit of a lightness in his step as he thought about these people being fried by God. I imagined he even got a little sing-song, you know, eventually about the middle of day two. Forty days and you're dead. And as he looks down and grabs a schnitzel from the, the cellar and he's like, Forty days and you're fried. Forty days and you've died. And I think he kind of got into it because he realized, Hey, this is exactly what I want to have happen. Let's look at his message for a minute. It's super cryptic, right? Really short. No details. He doesn't give any explanation of why they've been overthrown. And if you look at the other prophets when they wrote condemning judgment, they gave explanation as to why. He didn't give them any details about what they should do to respond to this. Nothing. He didn't even say anything about God. Now, they identified him, obviously, as a prophet from Israel's God, but he didn't give them that information outright. It's as though Jonah... Can you imagine? Doesn't actually want them to get the message. He doesn't actually want them to really get an opportunity to respond. And what we find out, of course, in the whole story of Jonah is that is exactly what he doesn't want. He does not want these guys turning and responding. But just as Jonah was unable to thwart God's direction in his life, he isn't able to thwart God's message to them either. Through some miracle, through some mysterious work of God, these super nasty, violent, awful people heard and responded. They heard what they needed to hear. The warning of their impending destruction struck a chord in their hearts and they they began to resonate and they realized they were going to get what they had coming. That they really had been awful. That they really had ignored and rebelled and hurt one another. They really were deserving of the judgment that was going to fall. They realized it. And together as a people, they humbled themselves. And even the king himself, going all in, in one final bet, that maybe, just maybe, there was a chance that God would change his mind and show compassion on them and not destroy them. And God did. Because that's what God is like. And that's, we know that Jonah knows that that's what God is like, which is why we find out he didn't want to go in the first place. In spite of all Jonah's efforts to thwart God's grace, people hear the message, they, they turn from their sin, they repent, and they receive God's grace. Jonah's hope that this city would be overthrown in judgment. Well, his hopes are dashed as this city, you could say, was overthrown through repentance. Well, what does this story have to do with us? I mean, how does that tie into our mission as a church? How does it tie into our mission at the Erickson Covenant Church to help people find and follow Jesus? Well, this story was originally told to shake God's people up, to kind of wake them to all the ways that they, that we, had forgotten God's heart for people, even evil, nasty people. And the mission that he placed upon us to go. And that's what this story does. But more than that, This story in Jonah, as we read it from our vantage point, it points us toward the full story of God's grace, the better mission that we've been given. You see, through Jonah, I believe we only catch a glimpse 
of where this story is going. We only catch a glimmer. We see God's heart, but really, how is he going to bring healing? How is he going to bring transformation? Where is this all leading? We only see a glimmer of that. Jonah just barely sketches the outline, but the outline's there. Did you see it? It goes pretty simply like this. God tells someone to go to deliver his message. They go and tell. People who hear that message, some respond to it through repentance, and through repentance, people receive God's offer of grace. Go, tell, hear, respond, receive. Kind of a a pattern of mission. We see it in Jonah, and this basic outline begins to show up in the ministry of Jesus, begins to get some flesh on it. We see it start to fill out in color and vibrancy and shape through Jesus and the mission of the church. The prophets who are pointing toward this realize that when Jesus comes, it's going to take on flesh. And in Jesus, God's heart is fully revealed as his grace and his truth is shown through his life. The way that he lived and loved, what he taught, how he healed. And then through his death and his resurrection. And then following upon that, Jesus empowered a small group of his followers, receiving the Holy Spirit to go and continue his mission, to go and tell so that people can hear and respond and receive. And that's the story that we tell. It's the message that we share, the mission that we have been given. And it flows along this same basic outline of go tell so that people can hear, respond, and receive. Well, let's unpack this a little bit for us. How is our mission fuller, better? Well, first of all, God has given us his Holy Spirit so that when we go, we go in his power. We go with his grace. He told us right at the very start of the, of the story that's written about the church, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witnesses right from your hometown to the ends of the, ends of the world, ends of the earth. God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can go. Not like Jonah dragging our heels because we hate people. But we can by God's Spirit, go and run with grace and with power into the mission that God has given us. He's given us the courage. He's given us the means. He's given us the strength. He's given us the community to be people who go in the power of His Spirit. So that's the go. But second, and this is so important, the message that we share is good news. Like, really good news. We're not delivering a message of destruction. Man, I'm glad about that. We're proclaiming a message of salvation, of what God has done. Everywhere we go, we're sharing the good news of what Jesus has done. The good news that God loves us. The good news that God knows us. The the good news that God knows us intimately. He knows how we've messed up our lives. He knows what's been done to us. He knows the ways we've rejected Him. He knows all that. He knows the muck we're stuck in. He knows it. And God, knowing that, loved us. Sent His Son to rescue us and redeem us. This is good news. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, the first words out of his mouth was, Hey! Well, he didn't say, Hey, but you know, Hey! The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, which means turn around, and believe the good news. What's the good news? God has acted. He's on the scene. He's doing what it takes to make the world right, to make you right, to redeem your life out of the pit, to change your life and your heart forever. This is good news. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone who receives the good news feels like it's good news. It doesn't mean that everyone who hears it is going to accept it. 
The truth is, we need God's grace. We need God's rescue and his intervention because we're selfish, because we're sinful, because we've rejected God. And that message can sometimes be difficult to receive. The good news forces us to acknowledge that there's bad news in the mix or else we wouldn't need the good news. We realize that we are stuck, that we actually need God to intervene in our hearts. We need God to intervene in our lives. The evil, when we look around, seems to be winning, but actually, when we look within, it can often seem to be winning too. We need God's intervention in our lives. When we share the good news, it does mean that people, in some way or another, have to accept that there is a bad news to this. The bad news meaning we're stuck without God. Without God, we're lost. Without Jesus, there is nothing but despair. Without this new thing that God wants to do, we will never experience God's joy. We will die in despair without him. That is true. But our message, the message that we're sharing, is front-loaded with the amazing, astounding truth that God has loved us, that he has come to us in our muck and in our mess to rescue us, to make life right. We're sharing good news. Jesus' final words were given to us, to his followers, as a commissioning. And that commissioning was to go and to tell, to go and to preach the good news. Make the good news available to everyone. Tell them about it with your life, with your words, with the way that you serve and love. And our message is not, you're toast. The message is, you're loved. You're loved. So that's go and tell. But following our outline, we see that people hear this good news message from the people of God who have been empowered by the Spirit to tell it. They hear this message and they respond. You know, in Jonah, the Ninevites humbled themselves and they repented. In the Gospels, people begin to catch this Jesus character and what he's doing and how he's healing people and and the kingdom of God has come, he says, and and, and he's, he's looking so intriguing and yet so kind of terrifying and yet so attractive. And people, as they began to catch his message and catch on to who he was, they began to turn away and follow him. Turn away from their own lives. Turn away from their own agendas and follow Jesus. And as the story of the early church began to take hold, we see that more and more people, as they heard the story of Jesus and what he's done, even people who are far away from the event itself, they discovered that God had acted in Jesus and they turned their lives around to follow him. They did it because they could hear it. In one of Paul's letters, he said, faith, this is trust, turning our lives to Jesus, faith comes by hearing, which only happens when people hear the good news about Jesus. This Romans 10, 17. People need to hear in order to respond. But then, what happens next? Once they've heard the message, is that it? Because in Jonah, that's it. <laughs> Did you notice that? People hear the message, they repent and live another day. They're not destroyed. But that's it. There's no follow-up, and certainly not from the guy who told them the message, who, as we find out, goes and sulks off on the hill, hoping that God will yet change his mind again and destroy these suckers. We're not expecting a follow-up from him. But you know, these guys got nothing. They got no further instruction of what they're to do. They didn't receive some gift, some acknowledgement, no warm pats in the back. They're just not destroyed. They weren't suddenly part of the inside of God's story. They weren't now suddenly part of God's people. They've been spared, but that's where it stopped. And that was good, but 
It's so much better today. It's so much better. When you hear the good news about Jesus and you make that decision to follow him instead of following your, your own leadership by turning around, that's repentance, and accepting his forgiveness for your sin, accepting his invitation to his family, when you let him become the leader of your life, you aren't left wondering, like, what happened? How can I be sure? What's going on? It says in the Bible that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus is saved. And every person who places their trust in Jesus receives this assurance that their faith, that their faith means something, that they have now been made right with God, that their sin has been forgiven. When we call on Jesus, we're welcomed into the family of God. We receive the hope of resurrection, that you're not just going to die like a dog and decompose in the ground, but that you're going to rise again with a new body. We're given the story of God. We're, we're handed this amazing book, which we don't have a clue what it means or says, but We're handed this to us and we're told that in this book, God has shown himself and revealed himself and showed what's going on. And it's through this book that we understand what he's up to and our lives continue to change. We're brought into the story and we're empowered to live with new purpose. We're empowered to serve with new love. We're empowered to live in a whole new way. And I just say that, that is way better than just not being destroyed. I think it's a better story. (laughs) I'm thankful for it. But there's just a little bit more. In Jonah, the Ninevites did repent. They demonstrated this change of heart. But how could they keep it up? How could they really begin to live according to God's purposes? They had no idea what was going on. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living within them. And without the Holy Spirit living in them, without being included in the family of God, without new creation, life change happening within them, how long would it last? Now, we don't know much more about it. All we know is, within a generation or so, the Ninevites were eventually overthrown. It didn't last. But today, when people hear and respond, they receive. They receive the Holy Spirit into their lives. God comes and takes up residence in our bodies. We experience and begin to experience true life change. We're, we're now new creations. God is making something brand new in us. The Holy Spirit enters into your body and my body, and we become walking, talking, living, breathing, tiny houses of God. Everywhere we go, he takes up residence in us. He brings this lasting change. He moves in and begins the process of overthrowing our hearts. And we see our attitudes begin to shift and our mind begins to change. And old patterns, ways that we treated people begins to change. And be, 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 all of a sudden, we realize that's wrong. I want to change that. The Holy Spirit is at work in my life and I want to follow him. I want to do what Jesus says. I want to love the way that he calls me to love. God moves in. And overthrows our hearts. See the pattern? We go and tell so people can hear, respond, and receive, and as a result, be transformed. Now, why did I want you to see all this, even from Jonah 3? Because this simple good news pattern, the go and tell, hear, respond, receive, and be transformed, is the very pattern of God's mission today. And it is the shape of the pattern of our mission as a church. At the Erickson Covenant Church, this is the shape of the mission that God has given to us. We have been sent by God to share the good news about Jesus. And the only way that people are ever going to find out about Jesus, the only way that they're ever going to experience the love of God, the only way they're ever going to respond to the good news is if you and I tell them about it. That that's the way God has set it up. The only way your boss will ever discover God's grace for him or for her will be if you demonstrate it. 
Yes, through the integrity of your, your work, for sure. Yes, through the love you have for them, but also at some point when you actually say the words, you actually speak up in a proper and appropriate context. You actually bring up what God is doing in your life. The only way the students at your school are ever going to find out about Jesus is if you tell them, if we tell them. The only way the men and women and children on your block and in your neighborhood have an opportunity to hear and respond is if we go and tell. How do we do that? Well, really, we just ask God to help us make the most of the opportunities that we have because we have plenty. Whether it's over coffee breaks or through our Sunday gatherings, whether it's around a backyard fire pit or through our connect groups, whether it's by inviting someone to Alpha or it's through our daily personal witness at work or at play or friendships or school, we help people find Jesus by telling the story, the good news story of what Jesus has done in a way that people can hear it. We simply tell what Jesus has done in our lives. Now, I know that's a big challenge for some of us who are sitting here thinking, I can never say that. I don't know enough. I don't know anything about it. Can I just put a fine point on it right now? If that's you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're saying, but I don't know what to say, then it's an opportunity for you to take that first step forward in figuring out, what is this good news story that I have to share? Now, it could be that the first step for you is to join one of the connect groups that Dana talked about, specifically looking at encounters with Jesus, specifically looking into God's word to find out how Jesus calls people to follow him. But for each one of us, the commission is the same. We must go and tell. We've been empowered by the Spirit to do that. And when people respond, what do we do? When people say, I'm interested, I want want to find out more, what do we do? Very simply this. We help them follow Jesus. We help them take the next step. We invite them to come with us. We begin to show them what it might be like to be part of God's story. We teach them more about Jesus. We welcome them into our family. We pray together. We learn together. We serve together. We hang together. We follow Jesus together. And what we find out very quickly is that we're helping one another follow Jesus. That's how this thing works. As people find Jesus, we then together help each other follow him. We do that by helping each other respond to what God is doing in our lives. Well, I'd like to end with an invitation today. Actually, two invitations. First of all, I want to talk to those of you who, for whatever reason, have never yet decided, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe you've heard the story. Maybe you've been around it long enough. And for some reason, you've heard the story about the good news of Jesus. You've, you've even, even there's parts of it that you begin to put together, but you've never actually said, I want to follow Jesus. You've never actually said, I want to receive God's forgiveness for my sin. I want to invite the Holy Spirit into my life. You've never said that. And I don't know what the reasons might be for you putting that off. But I do know that God wants you to follow him. I do know that Jesus is calling you. And I do know that as you have heard about God's love for you, there's an invitation going to you right now to decide to follow him. And so what I want to do this morning is out of respect for everyone who is in that place where they've never decided to follow Jesus, but they want to, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. But if you're here today and you realize you've been putting this off, but it's time for you to make a decision and follow him. With all your eyes closed, with your heads bowed. If you are here today and you say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to turn from doing my own thing. I want to accept his offer of forgiveness. I want to, I want to begin to have the spirit in my life making changes and leading me and guiding me. It's time for me to say yes to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand 
And then look up. Look me in the eyes and tell me. Look me in the eyes. Okay. Yep. Good. You can put your hands down. Good. Anyone else? Okay. Anyone else? You know that Jesus is calling you to follow him, and it's time for you to make that decision. Today is your day. Today is your day to say yes. Who is it? Who else is it? Put your hand up. Look me in the eye. Jesus is calling you to follow him, and this is your day. All right. All of us together, we're going to pray this prayer. And those of you who raise your hands, look me in the eyes, we're going to pray this prayer together. All of us. Let's pray. All of us together. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for coming. Thank you for loving us. And Jesus, today I turn my life over to you. I am no longer going to be my own boss. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead for me. And I ask you to give me your Holy Spirit to come in and make me brand new. I ask you to lead me into deeper into community so I can learn how to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. I give you my life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Those of you who raise your hands following the service today, I would love to meet you right over here and just talk to you for a few minutes. So, okay. But there's a second group of you here. This challenge is for all of you. For those of us who say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of him. I've heard this story and I want to challenge you this morning to embrace the mission that God has given to us. I don't know where you've been at in this whole getting in on the mission of Jesus. I don't know where your resistance has been. But my question to you today is, will you, will we as a church say yes to the commissioning that Jesus has given to us? He has given us his Holy Spirit. He has told us to go and tell. That is our responsibility. And so my question is, Are we as a church, are you as an individual today going to say yes to Jesus' mission? I understand you might not know what that means. I understand that. I understand that it's like handing a blank check to God. Yeah, yeah, I know, but he's trustworthy. And I'm asking us, each one of us individually, will we say yes today to the mission that God has given us so that we can go and tell, in whatever context that is, so that we can help people find and follow Jesus? Jesus is asking us today, each one of us, those of us who follow Jesus specifically, he's saying, are you willing to place my mission a priority in your life? And if you're willing to do that today, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to be very bold today, I'm asking you to raise your hand. If you're willing to say, I'm going to put the mission of Jesus first. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to let him use me to go and tell. In whatever way that is, I'm going to open my mouth with bravery and with courage. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. I'm going to commit myself to working together with these brothers and sisters so that we can enable the people of our valley and beyond our valley to actually hear the good news of what Jesus has done so that they can respond and receive all that God has for them. Hands up high. 
Who's in on this? And I want all of you to stand and let's pray together. Jesus, we accept your mission. You have given us your Holy Spirit to go and to tell so that people that you love, people that are far away, people that we don't even like, people that you died for, could hear the good news and respond and receive all that you have for them and experience the kind of life transformation that only you can bring. And Jesus, we very simply today, as the Erickson Covenant Church, we stand and say, we are in. We are in. Empowered by your Spirit, we will go. And though we may be afraid, we will open up our mouths and we will tell. Through our words, yes. Through our deeds, yes. Through the integrity of our lives, yes. As we let you work in our hearts, we are committed to your mission. To go and tell the good news of what you've done. And so Jesus, we simply lay ourselves before you and ask you to lead us as a congregation, as families, as individuals. May we experience your grace filling us and your power moving us so that people can hear and respond and receive all that you have for them. Thank you for for loving us, but thank you for calling us into your mission, a mission that changes lives, a mission that changes ours. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, today, big challenge put out. And if you'd like to talk more about that, I invite you to do that. Talk to me, talk to Dana. For the three of you who raised your hands, I'd like to chat with you for a few minutes during coffee time. But I want you to go this week with the blessing of God upon your life, knowing that he has filled us by his spirit and he is calling us to follow him. I love you all very much. I pray for you daily. Over this next week, I wouldn't normally tell this, but I feel I should tell you. Over this next week, next seven days, I'm going to be doing a fast. I'm fasting not for my health. I hate fasting. I'm fasting for you. Okay, I'm fasting for each one of you. I'm fasting for our congregation. So for the next seven days, I'm going to be fasting and praying for God's work among us, that it be done, that he do what he needs to do in my life and in our lives. And so I'm going to put the call out there. If this week you'd like to join me in one of those days, send me an email, send me a text, send me a Facebook message. Let me know. Hey, Tom, on Thursday I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray with you. Maybe we can even get together and pray. I don't know. We can work this out. But if you'd like to join in one of those days or two of those days, I invite you to. But for the next seven days, I'm going to be fasting for this congregation that we will be ready for all that God has for us. Go in peace. God bless.